Welcome to the Other Woman in the Wife podcast, where we delve into the complex and often taboo topic of infidelity. I'm Chelsea. In this episode, we are going to discuss how not to burn yourself out in your relationship and get to a place where we understand individual fulfillment while also being in a committed relationship. And I'm joined by one of my favorite people on the planet, Kevin. What's up, Kevin? <laughs> I'm okay. Thank you very much. Let's jump into the episode. <laughs> There was something that I had asked somebody that I look up to within my TikTok community that I built, and I'm not going to say her name, but she... She will be a guest on the podcast. Oh, I can't wait. She's too good. She's too good. I had told her that one of my fears is that I will crash into another person, another man, the same way that I did with Stan and lose all sense of logic and self-control and all of that and just like fall in love basically with somebody that I didn't know existed on planet earth and I told her that I also have concern that like what if a relationship just kind of fizzles out like how do you know when a relationship is done done like how do you prevent burnout inside of a relationship like how do you prevent it from becoming the mundane routine all of that and she had actually shared some insight with me that I thought was really powerful. So I kind of want to discuss it with you. And we were, Let's her and I, it. this person, okay, this person that I'm referring to, we were actually talking about a current situation in one of the girls in the community, what she was doing, because she had mentioned that she burns out all of her relationships after like five years. She just doesn't want to be in them anymore. She's done. In romantic relationships, you mean? Romantic relationships, yes. And I don't know about her other relationships, but definitely her romantic relationships. She said that women have a tendency to throw themselves entirely into a relationship. So instead of taking care or even being in touch with their own wants and needs, they prioritize the man over themselves. And then they start to resent the man, thinking that he's the problem. When really, it's actually the woman who is not giving the time and attention that she needs to her own wants and needs in order for her to have a productive, long-term, fulfilling relationship. So what women have a tendency to do is lose themselves entirely to romantic relationships that they are in. So the idea that you can't have a relationship that lasts long term because you have the wrong partner may not actually be true. You could actually just be mistreating yourself in the relationships that you choose to have. Mm -hmm. So how do you get ahead of it? How do you make sure that you don't lose yourself in the relationship, that you can have a productive, healthy relationship while also making sure that you don't get lost in the process? What do you think? I'm thinking about my own experience. And I feel like at some point in my life, I was in a relationship that was toxic, not because of the relationship, but because I was caring too much of the other individual. I was, and I was not caring enough of myself. Mm -hmm. That relationship ended up in the most hurtful experience that I had in relationships because obviously the relationship didn't continue and I was heartbroken. That was the moment where I took accountability in being happy within myself in a relationship with someone else. So I'm wondering if that also happens with women or if yeah. the hurt is not 
not always so, enough. So this is what happens in, I'll say, a romantic relationship between two people who are immature. Like they don't know how to navigate a relationship because they either haven't experienced a healthy one or they are just refusing to educate themselves on how to maintain a healthy relationship, right? So I think what ends up happening with a lot of women like me, I'll be the example here. I loved working out. I absolutely loved working out. I think that it helped keep my mind and my body sane in a way. And for a really long time, because my partner didn't work out, I wouldn't. I wouldn't because I wanted to spend time together. I also wanted us to be on the same page. And I always like did this thing where I'd be like, hey, what do you think about like, I don't know, signing up for the gym? And if their response was negative in any way, I would be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's not like a good desire. Like, that's a waste of money. That's like a waste of time. Like all of these things. I never really considered how I as an individual felt about investing my time in that way and doing it independent of them. So as time progressed, like I remember being in therapy one time and being like, I really want to work out, but my husband won't go with me. And they're like, okay. And I'm like, how do I get him to go? And she's like, why does he have to go? And I'm like, well, because I want to. And she's like, so why don't you go do it by yourself? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and like, truly, I just, I, I was just stuck in this place where I was like, in order for me to enjoy something that I intrinsically enjoy, my partner also has to enjoy it. And that just wasn't true. Like, I needed to evaluate whether, whether I enjoyed it and whether it was worthy of my time and being able to like, set myself apart from somebody else's opinions on something. Mm -hmm. So do you think that because you didn't go to the gym that it affected the way you saw the relationship? I resented him. I started to resent him, right? Like, I can't do this thing because you won't do it with me. That's a fucking toxic mindset, right? Like, I can do this thing regardless of whether you want to do it with me or not. And I choose not to because I'm choosing to send resentment of the fact that your, your wants and desires aren't the same as mine. Yeah. And I can't meet my wants and desires because you are in the way. But really, I'm standing in the way of myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's accountability 101. It also takes time, right? It mm -hmm. takes time to yeah. notice those things in the relationship. What, that wasn't your, was that your first relationship? No, it wasn't, right? Dude, that, that has been like an actual example. Like a lot of people think that My examples of marriage are only from my first marriage. And I'm like, no, I'm an ever-evolving person. It wasn't like I had the affair and then my shit came together in a year. This has been like a 10-year journey of like me figuring out I don't need somebody else's permission to live my life. Like I think that I have lived for a majority of my life seeking permission from others to be myself. And I didn't need their permission. Like, I didn't need that. Yeah, sure, I need to communicate my stuff, but like the action is all on me. Yeah. So you think that's the only the reason, the only reason why you lose yourself in a relationship? Or do you think there are When you others? start denying yourself, when you start denying yourself your own wants and desires or even denying yourself visibility into your own wants and desires for the sake of a mean? relationship. You, visibility. Like I was denying, I was denying myself working out because I thought that me taking away time from being available to my husband 
was doing a disservice to him or the marriage when ultimately me staying in the house for an hour or two or whatever was the actual disservice to myself and the marriage because I was no longer myself. I was subscribing to whatever I thought a healthy relationship required. Mm -hmm. You actually have to stand up for yourself. I think when it's yeah, kind but of every, crazy like, because... If, what if you don't? How do you get aware that you need to do that? Right? Like, where does the awareness piece come in? I think the awareness piece comes in when you start to realize why you behave the way that you behave, right? Like, I had been using my relationships, using men in my relationships as the person who was to grant me permission to do whatever was going to result in my happiness. And if I felt like the permission wasn't granted or aligned or anything like that, I would sulk. I would just sulk. And then I never, I never really took the initiative in doing the things that were helpful and beneficial towards me. I remember in my relationship with Stan in the beginning, I, I did not work. I had no monetary need to work. So it was kind of like, oh, like, I guess I don't have to work anymore. Turns out work was a very important piece of my identity. I found a lot of value and worth in pouring myself into my work with a balance, you know? So even with mine and Stan's relationship, like, I had to be a big girl and go up to my husband and say, hey, I need to have a job. And his response was, why? We have enough money. We don't, you don't have to work. And then it was like, I want to though. Like, I still have this drive inside of me to walk into a room full of people that I don't have to eat dinner with every single night and try to add value to the world in some way. And when I told him that, I figured, I figured he was going to say, like, okay, well, that doesn't align with what I want my wife to be, right? Because I'm, mm -hmm. I've always been living up to the label rather than living up to myself. And so I, I basically was like, okay, well, I think I need to go get a job just because I need, like, the coworker aspect. I need the community aspect. I need a schedule. I need somewhere to go. Like I need, I need direction and I'm not giving myself the direction. So I went out and I got a job and it was like one of my favorite jobs ever. I learned so much and like, I do have this desire to learn, always be learning and all of that. And I wasn't satisfying that with just being in my relationship. Like I needed other stuff. Mm -hmm. What about the other women? So that was after you guys got together, right? Mm -hmm. Like after you had, so, so how about other women? How did they lose themselves in affairs? They start compromising values that they have for far too long. A lot of them say, they'll say to their affair partner, hey, I don't want to be in the affair forever. They take on the other man's bait, which is, it won't be like this forever. I'll eventually leave or whatever. And so even though they don't want to be in the affair any longer, they're making the decision somebody else's. They're waiting for the other man to pull the plug. They're waiting for him to say, 
I don't want you anymore. And then they are forced to be like, oh, okay, I guess this isn't the relationship for me. They are purposefully allowing the other man to make all of the decisions about the relationship instead of them. Mm -hmm. And this is exactly what I mean when I talk to these women and I'm like, who are you? Who are you passing your power to? Do you have any power in this situation? What is your power? What are your options? And so that's what I think it is. Like these women don't realize they don't realize the contradiction they have in their thought, which is, I don't want to be the other woman, but I'm still going to be. Like they don't, they can't figure out how to disconnect. Actually, they can figure it out. They're not willing to. Ooh, okay. Why? Because they will have to forfeit whatever they are getting out of the relationship. So whether that is the attention of a specific individual, whether that is emotional connection, all of that. And I just think that they don't they don't realize that this certain individual like, yeah, well, for a season, it may feel like they're the only person who can give that to you. There are plenty more people in the world who are willing to give it to you. Do you think that men have most of the time the decision power in an affair? Yes. Yeah. And this is like the shitty part. Like a lot of women will walk around and kind of playfully say that they have daddy issues or they will discount the weight that their childhood experience has on their adult life because everybody's fine, right? Like, it's so much easier to walk around the world and be like, I'm completely fine. I'm satisfied. Nobody has to worry about me, essentially. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so they seek, they are still seeking the approval and the permission from men in their life, and they don't even realize they're doing it. Mm-hmm. It's the, it is the cycle. It is the cycle. You're just putting somebody else in that role because you're older now. If you are the other woman in your relationship and you love this podcast, you would love the Other Women Community. The Other Women Community is a membership program designed to help other women just like you reclaim their relationship with themselves and heal from their affair. We provide a safe and supportive environment for you to open up and talk about your experiences. We give you the tools and resources you need to grow into an authentic, empowered individual. If you're ready to take the next step in your healing journey, head on over to theotherwomanandthewife.com backslash community to learn more about the membership and all it has to offer. All right, let's jump back into the episode. So for women who are in an affair and they are in that cycle, how do they break free? They start to meet their own wants and needs themselves. And I mean this in a very authentic and open and honest way, like It's fine that you desire to be in a relationship. You don't need to be this person who says, oh, I don't require to be in a relationship or you don't have to adopt the mentality that you have to be alone, but you do need to change the way that you strategize meeting that need. Otherwise, I think that you're kind of living in a shell of yourself. You you aren't living to your fullest potential. So what are the ways that they can strategize? over meeting those needs. Because right now, I I guess, if I put myself in another woman's position, right, which I obviously can't, you are there, you're like meeting those, those needs by another man, you are, your decisions are chosen for, like, you don't have any say, because you basically just want to be 
in that desirable position that makes you happy. Mm-hmm. One thing that I need to realize is what you just said, right? I need to meet my own desires. But then what, what do I do after that? I mean, you start weeding out the shitty parts of your life. You really do. Like you just have to cut the cord sometimes on things that do not serve you well. Like if I go back to me being in the affair with Stan, that soul crushing deceit, like I don't know how it is for anybody else, but it showed me how bad I could possibly be. And I didn't like that feeling at all. I didn't like knowing that my choices were altering somebody else's perception of reality at all, especially when I realized that the only power I actually had was choice and I was ultimately revoking somebody else's power by choosing to be deceitful. So even if even if you think about it from the perspective of Stan's ex-wife, me participating in the affair with Stan was altering her perception of reality. I did not like that. I didn't like the pretend. I didn't like the fake shit. So the easiest way for me to blow it up was I went basically no contact with my ex. I did not further any conversation with him. And even though I thought that that was going to be the most difficult part of my life because I was very much attached to him, I realized that I did not require him. At that time in my life, I wanted him. But just because I want something doesn't mean it's always good for me. And there was a lot of growth for me to be had in putting myself in other relationships that really challenged me. And the relationship with Stan was challenging for me. And it was challenging in the sense that we came from two very different worldviews. And I liked that because I'm always game for a challenge. But in order for me to grow, I actually had to weed out the shitty parts of my life. So I got rid of the friends that made me feel like shit about myself. I went no contact with people that I knew I couldn't add value to. And if anything, I was harmful to them. And uh, what else did I do? I really focused on what it was that made me feel alive. The affair did not make me feel alive. It made me feel like I wanted to die. You know? Interesting how affairs can... It's like a dichotomy existence, right? Like there was this exhilarating top of the mountain feeling when I was with Stan. But as soon as I wasn't with him, I was just, I was hollow. I was completely hollow. I was lifeless. And so that was really an uncomfortable feeling. And I knew that I just needed to take the reins of my own life and understand why I was making the choices that I made in order for me to build an awareness of what it was I was trying to fill. And once I had the awareness of what I was trying to fill, I knew how to go about meeting it and also making peace with voids. Were you filling up that void while you were in the affair? I was not. I was not giving myself visibility to the voids that I had in myself before the affair. So was that only after so was that after, after the, the affair? affair? Well, here's the thing is like once I really studied why I was drawn to Stan, I could see people from my past that I cherished and I missed and he reminded me, like his personality reminded mm. me of them. So I could understand why I felt that initial draw and pull towards him because I wasn't really at peace with those people being gone from my life. And so him reminding me, like almost my subconscious really, 
And it was like I couldn't. It was irresistible. Because I had so much unmet grief and trauma in my past, I, I was a sitting duck. I was a sitting duck for infidelity because I didn't think that I didn't think that like trauma and grief were real. And I thought that heaven and hell were. And so like mm. everything changed, like my entire worldview flipped. And, you know, I say often that during the affair, what I did was like I took my life, I took my logic, I shook it up, turned it the fuck upside down and said, now what? Now what? Like I've made a complete disaster of my life. And I don't care. I really don't. So I think there's a difference between being careless and reckless. So I got to the point where I was so careless that I just became a wrecking ball. Cue Miley Cyrus wrecking ball music, but we can't play that. No, we can't. So you were burning yourself out also in the affair, right? I was burning myself out in every single relationship I had up until like five or six years ago. Okay, while you pursued the marriage after the affair with Stan, when you were in marriage, I was still, when you, while yeah. you were married, you were identifying those needs. Yes. So how, how did the relationship change as you were meeting your needs individually? Oh my God. The relationship definitely hit a turning point once I felt confident in speaking my needs and wants to Stan and not fearing his reaction because I spent a lot of time in fear of men's reactions to my authentic self, thinking that I was wrong or I was not good enough or like I just had being me like wrong. I didn't know how to be me. And so mm -hmm. as I took it like step by step, right, like first step in my relationship with Stan and me meeting my own wants and needs was me getting a job. I needed that. I needed it apart from him. I needed the distance, the space. I needed to be able to come home with stories that were worth talking to my partner about. How about now? Because your job is is like seeing one this. guy, this one. It's not. It's not, though. Like, I feel like what I've turned my work into is having productive conversations with a variety of people, not just you. Like, yes, we do the business strategy stuff, but I think also there's this interpersonal connection, which like, I've always been a people person. I think when I was a kid, I wanted to build a, like, this is so funny. I wanted to build a community center for kids who grew up in broken homes because I was the kid who always was at my friend's house and participating in other people's families because shit at home just wasn't easy. And so I had this like desire in community college where I was like, I just want to build a place where people can go and it kind of feels like the home that they never had. And now what I'm doing is I'm like building content that validates people in their very broken experience and hopes that they will kind of wake up a little bit and seek fulfillment in a different way. Full circle? Yeah, a little bit. And I, and like, Stan, like being able to talk to him about the business is cool. Like him and I both really do love building businesses. Like that's where we met. And I think that it was in it was in witnessing each other, witnessing each other within business that we could see our true character kind of shine. Mm -hmm. And that that was super tricky because it, I do I fall a little bit in love with different people every single day. That doesn't mean that I have to like cave and like get rid of all of the boundaries that I have in place in order for me to live a productive and full life.
there's a thing about like seeing someone else, especially like your partner, be so intrinsically drawn to do something that they are passionate <laughs> about or they are committing themselves to. I see that as yes. well with my partner. It makes you love them more. It does. Like I like Stan just got a new job and his past job wasn't so great. He was kind of treated poorly by the people around him. And I kind of came into, you know, him getting this new job. I'm like, okay, I'm like, put your expectations on the floor, man. Like corporate life sucks. But it truly is who you're surrounded by that will change your experience because now he's a few months into this new job and he wakes up happy about it every single day. And that awesome. that like makes me so happy, right? Like I want my kids to have a happy dad ultimately. And uh, yeah, whenever he's like building business and stuff like that, he's such a good person for people to be around. So in one case, okay, full circle of the end of this episode, because essentially what you're <laughs> saying is Stan is meeting, meeting his needs and yeah. therefore the relationship yes. is also a better relationship, I guess. Yeah, it's a better fit for me. That's for sure. I don't, I fucking hate being in relationships with miserable people who think that they don't have anything. They, they don't have any control over their situation. I'm like, man, if say my kids grow up, like this is what I think. If my kids grow up and like I'm no longer necessary in their day to day life, I'll probably like figure out how to join the Peace Corps or something. Like I want to do what. I want to do like amazing things with my time here on earth. Well, you will be doing this anyway, so until you die, so. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. I am extremely grateful for anybody who is interested in surfacing this conversation with me. If you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate it if you went and left a five-star review with positive commentary on my thoughts. And I would like to be able to read those thoughts of yours out loud on my podcast. We appreciate your support and would love to hear your thoughts on it. If you've made it this far, you're likely someone who is invested in the journey of being the other woman. We understand that this can be a difficult and complex experience, which is why we offer guided coaching to help you heal and move forward. We encourage you to explore the links in the episode description or visit theotherwomanandthewife.com slash coaching to learn more about our exclusive coaching program and apply today. Thank you again for your support and we look forward to seeing you in the next episode.